Inspiring solutions to save America one show at a time. Are you ready to get on board? When are you guys going to learn? The more you indict, the more we unite. Facts. It's Trump 2024. We don't care. You heard me? We already made our mind up. You already know when the hood got your back. Man, they deep in the hood. Gangsters. Talking about Trump 2024, you heard me? Woo woo! Wah! Gangsters! The hood got this man back. I'm just trying to tell you. You heard me? And we ain't we ain't stupid, man. American people, man. We ain't we ain't all them talking about lockdowns and back when the mask and all that. You know, they got a new virus coming and it's gonna be man nobody don't care. Ain't fooling nobody no more with none of that. You know, new jack, man, nobody. Nobody being fooled no more. We all the way up. You heard me? It's Trump 2024. That's what it's going to be because we ain't having nothing else. From sea to shining sea. Three hours of bold truth and excellence. The Wendy Bell Radio Program. Hour number three of the Wendy Bell Radio Program. Welcome back, my friends. They think you're stupid. They think I'm stupid. They think you cannot see. You don't see everything that's going on. They think that you're not keenly aware of what's happening in your bank account. You don't see all these protests. You don't see the world on fire. That you're not paying attention to the flip-flopping messages that you don't know. The border is open for a reason. That is a huge, huge payday. That you don't understand why people just suddenly are dying. I opened up my social media today. Some former football player, 35 years old, dropped dead suddenly. Well, I guess it's just what's going on now. We're just going to have to start opening dying suddenly clinics. You know, That's going to be the new thing when they started creating that SADS instead of sudden infant death syndrome it was sudden adult death syndrome they want us to believe it's global warming all of a sudden in the United States people are just poof dying that's super hot that's a result of driving your gas guzzler you selfish jerk it's all just so dumb it's offensive one of the dumbest stories of course after the dumb story of no no No, 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 that wasn't us feeding in the overnight hours endless endless piles of ballots again and again into the machines. I mean, I know that that's what the video shows, but that's so stupid. (laughs) The story that really just kicks you in the butt and makes you angry. It's this huge mystery. Whose cocaine might it have been? Should I shake up the magic eight ball and consult the stars? No. Duh. So apparently the story is a little bit more interesting than, you know what? We got nothing on it. (laughs) I got nothing. We looked at it. We looked at the bag. We tested it. We looked for anything. (laughs) I got nothing. Well, all right. Issue closed. Next. Doesn't work. And it shouldn't. And it didn't. And it took a Freedom of Information Act request. To get the information, because this is where we actually get information. Because if you're part of the government, if you're part of an administration, if you're part of the the mechanism, the apparatus to destroy America from within, 
your number one objective is deceit and, and hurting us and being a dirtbag and then trying to run out the clock, right? We're not going to, we're not going to snap the ball with extra moments to spare. We're going to run out the clock and not tell you anything until you go to court and the court decides, yo, you better tell us. That's where we are. Secret Services Freedom of Information Act documents reveal DNA was found and preserved in the White House cocaine probe. Well, that's new. I didn't know about that. I thought they treated this kind of like that Michael Byrd guy. He's the Capitol Police officer who killed Ashley Babbitt. The guy about whom they interviewed no people. They talked to him. And then they said, well, not enough evidence that it wasn't justified. So you're fine. Go ahead. Well, that was quick. So was this case. We looked at it. We looked for some some cameras. We didn't find anything. So, eh. Oh, well. Moving on. No. No, no, no. During a show on Fox News, Jesse Waters revealed that the Secret Service has been misleading the public. Just a skosh about a cocaine investigation at the White House. According to over 100 pages of documents obtained through a Freedom of Information Act request, the narrative surrounding the discovery and handling of cocaine at the White House appears fraught with inconsistencies and cover-ups. Get out. Really? Wow. The Gateway Pundit, where I'm reading this, reported back in July that hazmat crews were dispatched and inside the entrance gate near the west wing of the White House to investigate that suspicious white substance that tested positive for cocaine hydrochloride. I get it. They thought maybe it could be anthrax. Who knows what the hell it could be? Precautions. It's the White House. At first, it was reported that the cocaine was found in the library which is located on the ground floor of the White House. It is part of the official first family residence. Ooh, well, that's kind of, that's kind of messy. It wasn't like in the library with Colonel Mustard and a candlestick. It was just sort of there, like, there it is. There's a baggie of a suspicious white substance right here on the floor. There it is. They didn't tell you that. What they told you was it was stashed in a, Cubby. Authorities apparently changed the location of the cocaine found in the Biden White House. And they said it was apparently stashed in some kind of a cubby in a storage facility in the West Wing and not in the library. Oh, it's not where the first family ever is. It's it's over here where we have no cameras, where we don't know anything. Anybody know anything? No, we don't. Of course, we're being told what we're being told, we never may actually find out who brought in the cocaine to the White House because the area, this is what they said, quote, wasn't necessarily covered by cameras all that well. Hmm. You mean to tell me that there is a space in what should be the most secure building in the United States, that which protects the president of the United States and his family. There's an area that's off limits. Well, it's so interesting that that's where they found this. Now, according to the report, this this shifting narrative about where it was found, this two grams of cocaine found at the Biden White House over the summer, 
raises questions about the accuracy and the transparency of the Secret Service's statements. Should any of us be at all surprised that they might have lied to us? Of course not. It makes me angry. It is unacceptable and yet standard operating. Further complicating matters, Waters highlighted discrepancies in the substance's testing. Well, what was it? What did they tell us it was? With initial results indicating opioids and amphetamines before being identified as cocaine. This raises doubts about the testing process and the subsequent handling of the evidence. Secret Service closed its investigation into the White House cocaine scandal without conducting any interviews. None. It was done like wheels up in 10 days. No suspect was identified. Allegedly, there were no fingerprints, no DNA samples, no leads found at all. We're done. Okay. But according to Secret Service spokesman Anthony Guglielmi, the agency did not interview any of the 500 potential culprits because it would be a matter of, you know, a strain on resources. Look, everybody's hurting. We're trying to do our part and uh, we're not going to waste money. We'll waste it impeaching Trump, of course. Uh, we'll waste it on the Steele dossier where we're trying to create the illusion that Donald Trump likes hookers peeing on him in a bed that Barack and, and Big Mike slept in, right? No. Waters reported that the original narrative stated that no DNA was recovered from a bag of cocaine found at the White House, leading to the destruction of the bag. But the Freedom of Information Act documents suggest the presence of three tubes of DNA that were collected, that are being secured in an evidence vault. This conflicts with the Secret Service's initial reports. It appears the DNA samples were not only found, but have been kept. Where did they get the DNA from? Did they get it off the baggie? If they did, of course they did. The Secret Service lied. And so did the White House. They did find DNA on the baggie. Does anybody want to throw a dart at the wall and see if we hit the bullseye? Right? The DNA was processed. It's been moved to an evidence vault for preservation. So the Secret Service has an insurance policy. We asked them... This is Jesse Waters talking. We asked the Secret Service for an explanation, and they said, eh, it's secondary DNA. What does that mean? But the initial Secret Service report clearly said there was no DNA found, that there's no physical evidence, but the documents show they're keeping a DNA sample in an evidence locker. And they may end up destroying that evidence. They have something we don't know. And the Secret Service says they may end up, in fact, destroying the DNA evidence at some point down the road as quote-unquote protocol. No, it's not protocol, guys. It's called cover-up. Why don't we ask the Secret Service, why didn't you take DNA samples from your, suspe- your suspect list? Let's, let's find out who was in the area because, you know, it was the whole first family that was there. We can take some DNA samples from them unless, of course, we know whose it is. And it's a bad look. And so we're going to change the story from it was found on the floor of the freaking library where the first family is to it was over here in the storage lot of like a cubby where people on a tour might go and take put in a quarter and take out the key. And all right, I don't want to carry my purse with me the whole time. That's where we found it. Got it. I mean, this is. It's so obnoxious. Everything that they do, every script, every plot, every storyline, even the music bed sucks. The actors are B-rate. And what you get is this. Joe Biden's America. 
but we know nothing about that. Case over. When we come back on the Wendy Bell Radio program. Did you hear the story of Reverend Stephen Cliffgard Lee? He's one of the co-defendants in Trump's election interference trial in Fulton County. They tried to make him Jenna Ellis, and he said, suck it. And it's a good story. Next. Donald Trump gets good news as dominoes in Georgia case fall. Where would one see that kind of a headline? I was not expecting it on Newsweek. Gotta say, was not. Hey, by the way, we have that locals page. This is where we're sharing every story we put in. If you ever want to find what we're talking about, go to locals on your app store and get it on your phone, your desktop and follow us there because we want you to see what we see. Here's the story. Former President Donald Trump received good news in his 2020 election case in Fulton County, Georgia, as a co-defendant announced recently that he would not be taking a plea deal. One of Trump's co-defendants, Reverend Stephen Cliffgard Lee. Why can't I have a cool name like that? My middle name is Anne, right? Anne with an E. Can you be more Melba? Stephen Cliffgard Lee. <laughs> Announced at an event last week that he has no plans to take a plea deal in the case brought by Fulton County DA Fonnie Willis. Revealing or raising rather relating. <laughs> Got to get my glasses on. Relating to alleged attempts to overturn the 2020 election. In the co- he wasn't trying to overturn anything, guys. Everybody knows that. And that is why her case is sucking wind. Quote, I am not going to plead out to a lie. Lee said at a fundraiser hosted by the families of faith ministries, I'm not going to cooperate with evil. This is bigger than me. Newsweek reached out to Trump's spokesperson and Lee's lawyer via email for comment. In Fulton County, Trump and 17 other co-defendants have been indicted on accusations relating to alleged attempts to overturn the 2020 election. And by that, that means saying I have a weird feeling about what happened in this county. I have a weird feeling when I look at video anywhere that shows people doing things they ought not be doing with ballots. I have a strange feeling when I look at the data and I see that all of a sudden there was this pivotal moment when the numbers started to change. And in conjunction with the timestamp of said changes in other swing state counties as well, Seems like it was kind of coordinated, and I think it deserves further review. Indicted! You're not allowed to talk about that in Joe Biden's weaponized America. So that's what they want him on. Trump has continued to deny any wrongdoing in the Fulton County case. He's criticized Willis in response to the indictment, former president's legal team announcing in September They were not requesting the Fulton County case to be moved to federal court. Quote, the decision is based on Donald Trump's well-founded confidence that this honorable court intends to fully and completely protect his constitutional right to a fair trial and guarantee him due process of law throughout the prosecution of his case in the Superior Court of Fulton County, Georgia, his lawyer said in a filing. Now, some of Trump's other co-defendants, Jenna Ellis, Sidney Powell, Kenneth Chesbrough and Scott Hall have already accepted plea deals in the case. 
Look, I'm not here to tell you what Jenna Ellis should or should not do. I do not know what kind of evidence these clowns in the Biden administration are holding over their heads. I have no idea what the threat mechanism is, is or what the promised gravy train will be after accepting the plea deal. In response to Powell's plea deal, Trump issued a post on Truth Social claiming she was never part of his legal team, Sidney Powell was one of millions and millions of people who thought and in ever-increasing numbers still think correctly that the 2020 presidential election was rigged and stolen, Trump said last month. Despite the fake news reports to the contrary and without even reaching out to ask the Trump campaign, Ms. Powell was not my attorney and never was. So what do I know about this gentleman, this reverend, Stephen Cliff Guard? Lee, he just got sucked into the vortex of the addiction the left has to Donald Trump. And they try to make some big fanfare out of it. Why do you think they pushed this? Fannie Willis got a phone call from the Biden administration, and it was get it done today. That was that wild midnight Monday night handing up of this indictment. That was the story, if I'm not mistaken, where it was leaked on the county website, and it showed Donald Trump as being indicted. People were like, wait a minute, that hasn't happened. Oh, that was a glitch. I'm sorry. We got an upgrade in our security system or our email system, and that happened. I mean, we took it down. Once we noticed it, we took immediate attention to it. Look, there are some who are going to fold. And there are some, like one who obviously believes he's got the, the power of the good Lord on his side, to do what he thinks is right. I will not lie on your behalf about Donald Trump, about the election, about anything. And I put my faith in God. So help me. Way to go, Reverend. Way to go. When we come back, FCC Commissioner Brendan Carr. A 3-2 to two vote yesterday to basically give the Biden administration control of the internet. What?! What does it mean? You'll hear straight from the commissioner himself next. All right, so when I see a headline like this, I wonder if I'm watching or looking at the Babylon Bee. The FCC, the Federal Communications Commission, just voted to take control of the Internet. That's clearly not true. I mean, is it? What does that mean? The FCC voted on a plan yesterday to give the federal government full control over the Internet. Wait a minute. There's only one place to go, and that is to FCC Commissioner Brendan Carr. I'm going to go with one of the two who voted against this. Mr. Carr, welcome back to the Wendy Bell Radio program, sir. Please tell me what the hell this means. Well, so good to be with you. Hope it was under uh, better circumstances, but... It is where we find ourselves. I mean, listen, if you step back, the, the Biden administration's entire approach to the Internet can be boiled down to one single word, which is control. Uh, you can see it when we voted at the FCC last month on President Biden's call for us to impose Title II utility-style regulations on the Internet. You can see it with what the administration is doing with its attempts to jawbone or pressure social media companies into taking down the politically protected speech of Americans. And you can see it with this vote that we took just yesterday at the FCC. 
it imposes President Biden's plan for digital equity. And what it really does is it gives the administrative state a veto power over basically every single decision that is made about the Internet, where it's built, the speeds that can be provided, the services that can be provided, the discounts that consumers can get. And I think we're better off as a country if we are in a world in which the Internet itself cannot be canceled or controlled by the government. And so I think it doesn't pretend that well for the future. Look, I don't think my colleagues here at the commission uh, have any nefarious purposes themselves, but I've been around D.C. a long time. And once the government takes the ability, the power to regulate something, it doesn't sit on its hands forever. How do you manage three colleagues who are Democrat who go along with this nonsense and restricts your desire to throat punch one of them? How, how do you do this? Because do they not? Under, <laughs> but like, Brendan, seriously, do they not understand what they're doing? Are they just or are they down with it? Because if we want to look at the government's track record when it comes to owning businesses, we need to look no further than the United States Postal Service, which this year alone has lost six and a half yeah. billion dollars. Yeah, look, my colleagues and I actually get along really, really well. We just have a, a fundamental disagreement on this one. It reminds me sort of of the, the old fable of the scorpion and the frog, where the scorpion says to the frog, will you give me a ride on your back across this pond? And the frog is doubtful and says, look, you're going to sting me. We're both going to die. And the frog says, and the scorpion says, no, trust me. He gets on the frog's back. He swims halfway across the pond. He's in the deepest point. And the scorpion, turns out, stings him. And they both go to the bottom of the pond, and they're drowning. And the frog looks up to the scorpion and says, you've doomed us both. Why have you done this? And the scorpion says, it's in my nature. And so I don't blame you know, the administrative state for exercising control. I don't, I, don't, I don't blame them for doing that. That's what the administrative state does. But it comes on you know, the courts now to put a check on this overreach. It falls to Congress to make sure that when it legislates, it does so very, very narrowly. So you have to understand that we are in a world in which the Biden administration – the Elizabeth Warren wing of the party, the Bernie Sanders wing of the party, has taken over all of these agencies, the alphabet soup in D.C. Remember, we focus a lot on you know the White House and Congress, but Democrats have been in charge of the administrative state in D.C., the agencies themselves, for 12 of the last 16 years. Uh, and so we got to proceed very, very cautiously with those regulations. It's why it's so important we have a Supreme Court that is applying the major questions doctrine and basically more scrutiny to these agency regulations across the board bring up great points and by the way i'd never heard that that fable or that story and i it's a hundred percent accurate it's in their nature it's what democrats do and we're fundamentally different than they in that we like fiscal responsibility we like freedom we like the government out of our lives so brendan tell me what what is this decision yesterday how far-reaching is this? If the federal government, can they determine then who receives access to, say, broadband Internet and the speed at which they get it? Yeah, for sure. That's that's exactly one of the things that this decision does. And look, this was a, a one-page bill, one-page statute that was included in a thousand-plus page bill, the 2021 Infrastructure Act. And you could have read the language in the statute to be sort of innocuous. It said, hey, the FCC going forward make sure that there's no discrimination in the build-out of Internet infrastructure. Makes sense to me. Like, you shouldn't refuse to provide someone service based on race. That would be a, a civil rights violation, right. I think, even without this statute. But the FCC took that language and just turned it entirely to 11. So now if you're an Internet provider and you want to build out to one community, you could be liable because the FCC says, well, you chose to build to this suburb or this new development in a city, but you didn't choose to build to this other portion of the city or this other new development, and therefore you're going to be liable. 
And the FCC now has this effective veto power over every single decision that the private sector makes. And look, I get it. People don't like their cable company. You know, that's not news to me. Um, but that's the problem. The government says, says to you, don't you hate your cable company? Don't you want them to not have carte blanche and free reign? Well, trust us. Trust the government. We'll start making those decisions for you. And we lose control of a vital means of communication that way. This seems akin to us being, you know, in this vote with the World Health Organization and the United Nations to allow them to wave a magic wand to dictate mandatory vaccinations for everybody. This is saying in one vote, we believe you as the Biden administration or the Democrat bureaucracy, you can wave your magic wand to determine how who gets what, how, how fast they determine winners and losers. We know they hate conservatives. It's not a stretch. Well, here's one thing that's funny. You know, at the very, very last minute, hours before our vote, the uh, Biden administration got a carve-out from these sweeping equity anti-discrimination rules. And what did that carve-out do? It exempted the Biden administration's signature broadband effort called Internet for All from those rules. In other words, they set forth this heavy-handed regime that can hold anybody liable at any moment, but they exempted themselves so they could engage in the very same type of discrimination that they don't want anybody else to. So it's not about preventing discrimination. It's not about promoting equity. They gave away the ball game by exempting themselves. What it's about is control. And I think we're headed in the wrong direction. Again, I don't, I don't think that there's going to be sort of an immediate short-term shock to the system by this decision. But again, if you step back, it's just part and parcel of a broader effort to really upend the, the, the precepts of free market capitalism, that there really shouldn't be a private sector that doesn't have a government regulator sitting on their shoulder at all times. And it's that macro direction of the country that I think we need to find a way to reverse course on. And the thing that is so uh, obviously uh, transparent in my mind is when they have any kind of an emotional, woke, uh, do-goodery justification for something, um, you know you're about to get screwed. And, and wasn't this supposed to be Kamala Harris's purview? Isn't she the czar of, of one of these things? I don't know, but you're sort of right with this idea of this branding component. You remember six years ago, uh, Americans lived through the, the greatest, at the time, regulatory hoax, I'd argue, in history, net neutrality. We were told that you know this uh, uh, FCC decision in 2017 to repeal net neutrality was going to be the end of the Internet. In fact, CNN ran a banner headline, end of the Internet as we know it. But that's the same thing we're doing here. That whole regime was just about control. And when me and my fellow Republican colleagues repealed that in 2017, what happened? The Internet got faster. Uh, more people got connectivity. Prices actually uh, have gone down relative to inflation, and they've uh, not increased at the same rate as actually heavily government-regulated uh, utilities like power and water. So we have to be very careful. Again, this was branded as digital discrimination or digital equity. Previously, we had that you know neutrality. Uh, but you're right. This, this branding thing we have to see through. So walk us through where it goes next. So this this past yesterday, uh, it sounds like you weren't terribly surprised just because of the balance of, of the core of your of your commission. Um, w- what happens next? Like timeline, worst case, scary situation. What do you think? Yeah, so it passed three two yesterday. Um, again, the last minute, the FCC sort of delayed the effectiveness of these rules for six months. That gives a little bit more breathing room right there. But this case will be off to the courts 
pretty quickly here, in my view. And I think there are several reasons why this decision by the FCC exceeds our statutory authority and violates the Constitution in terms of separation of powers, non-delegation doctrine, due process. So I think there's a very good case that is going to be made in the courts, and I'm confident that you know some or all of this will get turned back uh, by the courts eventually. I think the, the takeaway for the average person, like you and myself, n- none of this stuff and the legal machinations of a weaponized government, none of it trickles down to you and me and is a benefit. I wish we could focus, Brendan, on things that that actually matter. For instance, name something that that you are are passionate about that you could have control over and benefit the American people with as a commissioner of the FCC. Well, that's what's so funny. There are concrete things that we can take to benefit the American people, to to close the digital divide, to get everyone connectivity, spectrum. We need to push more airwaves out there so that ISPs can use it, consumers can use it, and just this week, the Biden administration came out with a three-year-in-the-making spectrum plan. And what was not in the spectrum plan? Not a single iota, not a single megahertz of spectrum. As the FCC, we're sitting on licenses that providers could use overnight to connect 50 million Americans with new or better capacity service. There's permitting reforms that we're not doing that is slowing down private sector bills. So the irony of all of this, or the disappointing part, is there is things that we can do, that we can come together and accomplish American people that will bring connectivity. But instead, we're just pursuing these you know, political and ideological causes. I, I admire you very much in that you say you still you get along with your colleagues who voted in favor yeah. of this because I'm done. Like I'm tapped out. How do you <laughs> how, how do you do it? I know it's your job. But how do you do it when you see the control mechanism that you're pushing back against? Yeah. You know, look, again, 90, 95% of what we do, we agree on here. Uh, it's, it's this handful of cases that end up being the highest profile where there's just a fundamental difference of opinion. But take national security. You know, my colleagues and I are working very hard together in a bipartisan way um, to improve national security in this country. We've taken action on Huawei, on VTE, China Mobile, China Telecom. Um, I've spoken out a lot on TikTok, obviously, which is outside the FCC's jurisdiction in terms of a direct regulatory role. But there are things, important things that we are coming together on. It's just there are these issues where, you know, people kind of go to their corner and, um, you know, they just proceed based on their politics. Well, before I let you go, anything upcoming that you'd like to tip me off to? You know, you like to drop stuff on me every now and again, Brendan Carr. <laughs> Yeah, no, everything else is good. We're uh, we're seeing to plow away. Again, I still think there's more we need to do on national security. There's been a lot of interest recently, uh, in the last couple weeks in particular, on TikTok again. And so I'd like to make some more progress on that. We did a lot of good work last year, you know, banning TikTok from federal government devices. A lot of states have banned it from their devices. But we need to end up in a point in time in which the federal government either bans TikTok or requires a genuine divestiture of its corporate ownership structure back to China. That would allow people to continue to post, continue to use it, but it would not present the same national security threat that it does Amen. today. I think it's great. I think you are too. Brendan Carr, FCC Commissioner, thank you so much. Stay in touch, sir. Be safe. Great to, ha- great to have your voice on the program. All right, so they have six months to try to bury this story. <laughs> he said, and it's going to get mired in the courts. You guys asked us to talk about it, and we did. Coming up, how about a little virus talk? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Wait. If you're new to the program, that is the song that Brock plays when he knows I'm about to lose it. 
And, and we feel this way about so many different stories because it just isn't complicated. It's just not complicated to be a good person. It's not complicated to tell the truth. It, it's not complicated to do the right thing, to not cheat. It's not. But once you step into that conveyor belt of darkness, I guess it's really hard to get out and to step off. How about this headline? Daily Caller, exclusive. Scientist tied to Wuhan lab now using taxpayer cash to do bat Ebola experiments in America. Watchdog finds. Is it not enough that your leader, Dr. Science himself, Anthony Fauci, lied several times under oath? Senator, you do not know what you're talking about. Well, we do because we've got the documents and they suggest that nearly $4 million of U.S. taxpayer money went to go fund gain-of-function research with the bat lady in freaking Wuhan because that makes sense. And then when there was a a global virus, oh, it came from a wet market. They thought you were stupid. And so even Barack Obama was like, yo, some of this funding for this weird jazz, we got to tap the brakes on that. Well... These clowns went around that, believe that they're beyond that, and they decided to continue with their Frankensteinian experiments. And here's the story. A group of scientists tied to the Wuhan Institute of Virology are now using taxpayer cash to import bats and perform Ebola experiments here in the United States. The Daily Caller has learned. Do we not have bats? Do we not have enough doctors with nefarious instincts and viruses all over the place right to do this according to do a daily mail report a new lab funded by you the u.s taxpayer is being built in colorado that will import bats from around the world to experiment on dangerous diseases i'm no scientist but i'm just gonna say this stop it Stop tinkering with freaking viruses. Stop your... (laughs) If we can create something and everybody gets sick, we can create its alleged antidote. This is exactly what the Project Veritas exposed. Before James O'Keefe got the sack, one of his operatives went in and sat down with that dude who was the VP of such and such with Pfizer. And the guy was like, yeah, we're doing all sorts of experiments. They continue to this day because it's not this virus. It's the next virus. What's the next shot we can move out? What's the next magic bullet? Ew. The National Institutes of Health. Can we just blow up the NIH proverbially? Just be done with it. You suck like the FBI. Pack it up and move along. We're done. You're not interested in our health. You're interested in control. Just like FCC Commissioner Carr said. It's about control. Now we're going to say we want to keep you safe. It's about you. We care. We know better. NIH granted Colorado State University $6.7 million to build a new bat lab. Does anybody else out there think that we should reclaim our money? What are you paying your taxes for? 
You know, when somebody comes to my house and I get billed to something, they give me an itemized list. Well, your garage door was pulling out, and so we did this. We put in a new motor. You needed some lubrication of the such and such. There was a blah, 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 and then we had to balance it, and here's your total. Your federal government just says, ah, this is what you owe, so we can go by build a bat lab and deal with the bat doctor and, and ship bats to Colorado and then to, to ship their viruses too because, you know, we don't have enough here. Let's bring everybody else's over. Vladimir Putin, before he invaded Ukraine, what's going on in those bio labs on my border? We're not doing anything. There are no labs. Oops. Yeah, they are. Department of Defense funded, connected to Hunter Biden and his crime family syndicate, right? We're not doing that. Oh, yeah, we are. We're also importing bats from freaking China. I wonder if Big Joe and President Xi had that discussion yesterday. So how are your bats? I like mine medium rare. How about you? I like mine sick with a virus that will kill everybody. Perfect. You're not supposed to be doing this. We ought to have oversight over people who are clearly dangerous to us. And I'm going to go with the NIH on the list. You're dangerous. Bat lab. $6.7 million. I guess they couldn't do it themselves. Great to be with you, ladies and gentlemen. If you like what you hear, come on back tomorrow. Wendy Bell Radio Network app. Wendy Bell Radio podcast. Also on Newsmax. Peace.